The Elf Service A Story for Christmas Written by Tobias Sturt And read by John Millington Episode 13 Irving Jefferson was becoming a hard man to find. The first place Maddy tried was the headquarters of the Elf Service, but he wasn't there. The cellar of the Metropolitan was packed with ladies in hats and newsies scurrying in between them like mice through a flower bed. But the tall black bloom of Jefferson's hair wasn't among them. The long table down the centre of the room where the requests were processed was busy, though. Letter went from gloved hand to gloved hand down one side and up to a desk on the dais where Miss Saltadora passed out notes to a stream of grubby newsies who returned them considerably more crumpled and stained, to the other side of the table, where down they processed, down again and out once more, rewritten in copper plate, carefully addressed and stamped, off to the great and good of the city. Miss Saltadora spoke over her shoulder to Maddie in a constant babble, like the fluttering of the paper through her hands, apparently entirely undistracted from her appointed task by talking. They had had to take on more volunteers to deal with all the new volunteers, apparently. But Jefferson was off doing more publicity, she thought, possibly at the luncheon for the friends of truncated military men at the banquet hall. But Jefferson wasn't at the banquet hall, either. Neither was the luncheon. It was in a small meeting room, off to one side, where a number of portly gentlemen had been wedged into the small gap left between a large dining table and the walls. At the head of the table, a tall man in a narrow military jacket was giving a speech. The lunch had been hearty, and the speech had been dreary, and several of the fat men jerked awake with loud grunts as Maddie opened the door. The room stared at her in silence. None of them was Jefferson. He had been there, said the military man who had been speaking, but he'd had a pressing engagement at City Hall. She had heard the man's voice all too clearly through the door, but he now seemed slightly taken aback by having a lady present at their lunch and kept his eyes down, mumbling through his expansive grey moustache. But Jefferson wasn't at City Hall, either. They thought he might have meant the council offices in the new town, but if he had, he hadn't gone there yet. He was due to be there later, they said, to talk about this Santa building idea had she tried the Metropolitan. Which was where he was, it turned out, just not in the cellar. He was up in Félix Savoie's official offices on the first floor, where the watery winter sun streamed through high windows, perfectly illuminating a scale model of the Santa building, sitting in the middle of an occasional table in the centre of the room. Jefferson was circling it warily, like a house cat that had found an injured bird and didn't quite know what to do next. "'Oh, Miss Sharp,' he said gleefully as she was shown in, "'how delightful! You missed the unveiling of my building.' "'Oh, I read all about it,' said Maddy, approaching the model. "'You know how to make wishes come true, don't you?' "'Completely what this building is for,' said Jefferson, standing behind it, as if posing for a photograph. "'The granting of wishes and the fulfilment of dreams.' "'Sounds profitable,' said Maddy. "'How are you paying for all this?' "'Ah, well, it would be officers, mostly.' said Jefferson. A plethora of investors are interested. Mr. Savoir, of the hotel, you know, he has been immensely helpful. It was he that helped me see what a building could be, you know, like his hotel. Oh, I've heard his ideas about what his hotel means, said Maddy, a symbol of hope, apparently. I suspect it means more something in the line of profit and loss, myself. Oh, no, 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 so much more 
said Jefferson. A building is a symbol, you see, a concrete symbol. Its very presence tells us that it is important, don't you think? A block of real estate, of stone, of people, important. So what it represents is made important. Whether that's art in a museum or religion in a church, whether that's work or manufacture or charity. So this represents charity, does it? said Maddie, squinting at it. There appeared to be a tiny carving of Father Christmas sitting on a heap of presents over the door. Of course. Jefferson leant down next to her. Everyday people pass by, and they see Santa sitting up there, and they think of Christmas. They think of kindness and giving and generosity. It's not just Santa, look. He reached over and carefully teased open the tiny front doors. He was evidently beside himself with delight at the miniature care with which his model had been made. Inside, a mural, depicting winter gift-giving from around the world. He stood back to let her look. She peered through the minuscule opening. There appeared to be some tiny figures scampering up the side of a monumental staircase. The whole world in a building, a place of wonder for children and an inspiration for grown-ups. We'll have charities and toy manufacturers, publishers and decorators, anything to do with Christmas. A season in a building. That's what it represents. Gullibility, said Maddy. That's what it represents. What? Jefferson stood back. Gullibility, said Maddy. Credulity, naivety. Look it up. It is in the dictionary, despite what you might have been told. Well, obviously we're still at the planning stages, seeking out investment, said Jefferson, alarmed. But I assure you that the centre building is very much a serious proposition. Oh, I don't mean your investors' gullibility, or the press, or Mr. Felix Savoie, said Maddie. If there's one thing that man isn't, it's naive. No, I mean yours. Mine? And not just over this building, which is probably part of some convoluted scheme of Savoie's. No, I mean your precious service. The Elf Service, said Jefferson, determined to give it its proper name. I speak of the gullibility of elves, yes, said Maddie and more specifically of the chief elf himself. You, chum, have been taken for a ride. And not just any ride, either an open-topped, out-in-public ride, with the press following behind like panting hounds at the heels of the heart. I regret to inform you that there is a con-man at the heart of the service. Jefferson backed away from the model, as if trying to distance himself from it. You have, as ever, a colourful turn of phrase, Miss Sharp, he said. But I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for whatever it is that has happened. There is, said Maddy. The explanation is that you have been taken for a ride. The child Midge is no McNulty, and McNulty is no father. He is a con man, and she is an orphan. An orphan onto whom he has battened in order to con the service for everything he can get. McNulty? was all Jefferson could manage. The thing to ask yourself whenever something appears to be too good to be true, said Maddy, is in what way might it not be true, and in what way it might not be good. The family reunion was very much not true, not a reunion, and not a family, and you have put a con man on every front page in the city, and this is not good. Jefferson sighed and stared at the model of his building like it was crumbling away before his eyes. The reasonable explanation, Miss Sharp, he said, shaking his head, is that there are bad people in this city, in this world. This is everything, this 
building's service would stand against, and they would spoil even that. Wherever there is generosity and gift-giving, there are those who would take advantage and take what they should not. Not to add insult to injury, said Mary, but that's precisely what Councillor Crimble said. Crimble! Jefferson snapped to attention. He knows about this? The ghastly McNulty has confessed to him, said Maddy. Why he chose Crimble's round shoulder to weep on, I couldn't guess, but it was he who told me. Crimble! Jefferson shook his head again and turned from the model as if he couldn't bear to look at it any more. What is truly bad about this, Miss Sharp, he said with his back to her, is that it drives out the good. Because one person takes for themselves, other people will not be given to. He turned round, advancing back on his model. If there is selfishness, is there to be no selflessness? If there is deceit, is there to be no truth? If there is theft, is there to be no giving? You know what I think, Miss Sharp. I don't think the villain here is the poor McNulty. There, does that surprise you? Maddy said nothing, but raised a quizzical eyebrow. You've seen him, Miss Sharp, a wretched individual. Why, I am tempted to be as sorry for him as I am angry at him. Jefferson was getting into his stride now, back up on his metaphorical stage. He has led a life of crime, with few options to do otherwise. What else does he know? Perhaps I was too trusting to believe his story, but that, Miss Sharp, is my job. The service is meant to be trusting, well-meaning, generous. It's what we are for. No, shall I tell you who the real villain is here, Miss Sharp? I suspect I already know, said Maddy, and I suspect you're going to tell me anyway. Councillor Crimble is the villain here, Miss Sharp, said Jefferson, ignoring her. Why? Because he stands against all those things. He stands against trust, he stands against kindness, and he stands against generosity. He does not trust the charities and questions their every decision. He does not think well of the public and suspects their every want. He does not like giving and wants proof of need. The service stands for everything he stands against. We do not do what we do because the recipients should get. We do it because we should give. Jefferson straightened his back dramatically, standing behind the model of the Santa building with a finger upraised in admonition, and Maddie couldn't resist applauding sarcastically, her slow clapping echoing round the large room. You should write that down, she said. You'll need it for the press conference. You're right, of course. Jefferson sagged a little. You mustn't write your story, and I must defend myself. Still, that man crumble infuriates me. Oh, he's a pill, Maddie agreed. But sadly, he's the pill that oversees charities in this town. And every one of them he resents, said Jefferson. I'm not the amateur, he says that I am, you know. I'm involved in a number of charitable endeavours, and every one of them Crimble has tried to shut down. Maddie, her interest piqued, said nothing. The Benevolent Fund for the Home for Weathered Seamen said Jefferson, the Friends of Truncated Military Men, the Society for the Support of Distressed Gentlewomen, all of them have been persecuted by him and many others. He'll be rewarded for trying to stop us, and we'll be punished for trying to help. It's not the McNulties of this city who are the enemies of charity. It's Crimble, 
"'And you are involved in these charities, are you?' said Maddy. "'Well,' said Jefferson, "'only in a small way, you know. "'We all help each other out where we can. "'It's a community.' "'He produced the word with a flourish. "'A little family.' "'Well, families,' said Maddy, "'as we know, aren't always as they appear.' "'You have been listening to The Elf Service.' A story for Christmas in 24 daily episodes. Read by John Millington and written and produced by Tobias Sturt. The music is Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Riley Farley and their orchestra from the Internet Archive at archive.org. Our illustrations are by Jamie Lemon, and you can see more of his work at jamielemon.com. This podcast is distributed by Acast and you can find all of our stories there or on our website christmasstories.co.uk where you can also sign up for our newsletter but wherever you found us if you like what we do please rate and review it and share with someone if you think they'd like it too more importantly though make sure you're here for the next episode of the elf service